I'd like to start off this morning by asking you a question. What does your daily routine look like? Are you one of those people who wakes up and you have like a list of 12 things that you have to accomplish before you leave the house? I, I roomed with a guy in seminary who was like this. And he wasn't like this in college because I roomed with him then too. But somehow between college and seminary, he became a robot who would wake up at the crack of dawn and make coffee and breakfast and do devotions and go work out. And then I would stumble out of my room at like four hours later like, how do you function? I, which one are you? Are you the person who has a million things that they want to get done, a good routine? Or are you the person that has two things on your routine, coffee and hopefully I get to work? Well, today, I'd like to take a look at that routine and ask the question, how can we invite God into our routines? We're in a series right now called As You Are, where we're looking at the book of Deuteronomy and asking, how do we make our homes the primary place for faith formation? And last week, Jason jumped into Deuteronomy 6 and walked us through the Shema, the beginning of Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he said that the first step, if we want to experience the fullness of life with God, is to get rid of the junk, is to clear out the idols, is to get rid of anything that takes preference over God in our lives. And this week, we're going to look at the other side of the coin. If last week we cleared out the junk, this week we redeem our routine. And so I want to, I want to paint the picture of what you're looking for this morning before we go anywhere else. So if you're a note taker, I invite you to pull out your note sheet and write this down. We need to redeem the routine with intentional reminders and redemptive moments. Today, we're going to look at the things that we're doing with our time and ask, how do we redeem those moments? The moments that are already happening throughout our day. How do we invite God into them in a redemptive way? And are there small things we can add to remind us of who God is and what he has done? We're going to look at how we can make soccer practice, looking in the mirror, or prayer before bedtime. An important part of our routine. Not just what we do in our day, but connecting that with our faith. And so uh, we're going to jump into our passage. But before we do, let me pray and invite God into this moment and ask that he speaks through his word. So please pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have a message today more than I have a message. But we thank you that you are in this place and you are in this moment. And we ask that you would speak. Teach us what it means to remember and to teach those around us. In your name, amen. Okay, so as you're turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 4. But if you don't have a Bible, I invite you to take one on your way out. We have Bibles by both exits. That's our gift to you today. We love to see those disappear. So please, please take one. Deuteronomy chapter 4, or chapter 6, excuse me, verse 4 is where we'll start. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." If the first step in committing ourselves wholeheartedly to the commands of the Lord is getting rid of the junk or the things that take preference over God in our lives, the second step is here in verse 7. 
it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, before everyone who doesn't have a child to teach checks out, I want to challenge you because I think this is even more for you than it is for the rest of us. Last week, uh, Jason quoted Andy Stanley, a pastor who said, maybe your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God isn't something you do, but someone you raise. And I think that applies to you, even if you don't have a kid, because you've all heard the adage, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Well, I have a four-week-old, and I can tell you, the truth is, we already need a village, right? If it wasn't for the friends and family helping us, I don't know if I would still be sane, or if my daughter would have any chance of growing into the woman of God that I hope she does. And so, as villagers, which all of us are, no matter if you're a middle school student or an adult who's single, you have an opportunity to practice these verses. I love the phrase, you tend to get what you are. I say that all the time when I'm, I'm thinking about parents or children or uh, trying to think about how we make an impact. And if you want to make change in the world, if you're a high school student listening to this and you want your parents to embody these verses, you got to embody them first. And so whoever you are, wherever you're at, this message is for you. Don't check out. We all need help redeeming our routines. And so we all need to take this to heart. So now that I've made sure everyone's paying attention, let's actually look at what these verses say, right? It says, you shall teach these things diligently. If you read your Bible on your smartphone with the Bible app, uh, as I do sometimes when I'm preparing for these messages, uh, you can flip to the NET version, the New English Translation. And I like this version because next to a lot of the, uh, the words in there, there'll be dot, dot, dot. And you can press that and it'll pull up notes. And for this passage, it has notes about this phrase, teach them diligently. It says, the Hebrew here is repeat these things. Say this over and over and over again. Ingrain these things in your children. The phrase that came to mind as I was reading these notes is like, repeat them ad nauseum, right? Until you're so disgusted of hearing them that it's second nature for you to say them. My dad was like the master at this. He was so good at this and it hurt me so much growing up because we'd get in the car and he'd be like, you know, me and my friends who like are kind of not really Christian. He'd be like, hey, Dan, do you know who Jehoshaphat was? And I was like, dad, not now. He's like, do you know what he discovered? The law, right? Do you know the Ten Commandments? Dad, seriously. And I would answer his questions as fast as I can so that we can get this over with. Heaven forbid he ask my friends these questions. And so I'm not telling you to do that because it's super embarrassing. But, <laughs> but my dad took this seriously, right? He looked for opportunities to in, include intentional reminders of what God has commanded us. And what he did exceptionally well is ask me the question, what is the greatest commandment? He would ask me this all the time. And at the time, I didn't know that this came from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I thought it was just what Jesus says. But he would ask me over and over, Dan, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? In fact, he didn't know he'd become a sermon illustration, but I was talking to him on the phone the other day. And I'm 29, and he asked me at the end of the phone, hey, Dan, do you still remember what the greatest commandment is? And I said, yes, you've asked me every day for my entire life. <laughs> and so my dad was a master at the countless intentional reminders of what God has called me to in my life. And my first question to you this morning after what is your routine is, what do you do in your life to remind yourself and those around you of what God has called you to? Is there a part of your routine that does that? 
Because that's why these commands are here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because we need constant reminders. We need to be reminded of who God is and what he has done. And if you don't want to take my word for it, rewind to the beginning of Deuteronomy. If you look at how Deuteronomy starts, here we have the nation of Israel at the very edge of the promised land, looking into it. But they've been here before. 40 years earlier, they came to this same spot. They walked through the wilderness. They were released from Egypt by the hand of God. They were fed in the wilderness, and they came to the edge. And they looked in, and they sent in their spies, and 10 of them came back and said, Ah, the guys are pretty big, and they have chariots, and I don't think we should fight them, even if God said we should. And the other two are like, no, 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 no. Remember what God said? He said, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is good. This is our inheritance. He's giving it to us. But the people forgot. And instead, they said in, in uh, chapter 126, they rebelled against the command of the Lord their God and refused to go in and complained in their tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he brought us here from Egypt. They forgot how good their God was and what he had done for them. And so 40 years later, due to their disobedience, they're back on the edge of the promised land. And Moses is saying, hey, because of this, I'm not going to enter the promised land. Your forefathers didn't get to enter the promised land because we forgot. We forgot who God is. And so don't forget this time. Teach these things to your children. You know, it can be really easy for us to read passages like this and be like, silly Israel, always forgetting. They're so silly. I would never forget, right? I would remember if there was a blazing inferno of fire leading me through the desert and I ate manna from heaven and I heard God's voice speak to me from a mountain. And yet, aren't we forgetful people? I'm the classic guy who walks into a room and says, you know, I came in here for something. Also, have you seen my keys? Right? We forget things all the time. And it's not just little things like keys or why we walked into a room because we live our daily lives like this. We go through our routine of taking our kids to the dentist and going to work and coming home and going grocery shopping and getting dinner. And every once in a while, we have this thought of like, you know, I feel like I was supposed to be doing something more with my faith, but I just can't remember what it was. We are forgetful, just like Israel was forgetful. And what we need, what Deuteronomy says our children need, are reminders. And so we need to remind one another over and over what the commands of the Lord are and who he is, like my dad did. But we can't stop there. Because Deuteronomy takes it even further. It doesn't say just teach them. It doesn't say just send your kids to youth group and all will be well. It doesn't say just follow up with the homework from kids' church and you guys will be good. No, it says, verse 7, Teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. These are all examples of times that you can include intentional reminders and opportunities for you to redeem moments. I took the liberty of paraphrasing this so that you get my idea. And this is the Dan Swartz paraphrase translation. It says, teach these things, write them on your bathroom mirror, write something like you are made in the image of God. Put a sticky note on your fridge that says this provided to you by the Lord of heaven. Pray around the dinner table 
and remind yourselves that this is a gift from God. But also, don't miss those moments on the soccer field when your opponent falls down and you can help them up. Or the times where you're training and you can remind your teammates that your body is a gift from God. Or those times when you're mending a skinned knee and you can talk about pain and the gift that we have through Jesus. Right? This is what Deuteronomy is saying. It's saying don't miss opportunities because they're all around you. We have a routine in our lives and we can add things to it intentionally and we can take the opportunities that are already there to remember who God is and what he has done because that is the life that God offers to us is the one of constant communion with God, not just moments where you're at church and not just moments around the dinner table. So Deuteronomy is challenging us to take these moments and invite God into them, to take our routine and redeem it. And the Christian calendar is a great example of this. It's a great opportunity for us to embrace. Because we all know, we all know the Christian calendar. We all know that Advent happens before Christmas. And Advent is an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus has done. We like to do the Advent wreaths where we light the candles and we like to do like the the little house where you open the different doors and there's candy in them. And those are great chances to have fun with our kids, but they're also opportunities to repoint ourselves to the gospel, repoint ourselves to say, hey, this is about Jesus. The same thing is true for Lent. Lent is a time that leads into Easter, and we start Lent by getting a sign on our foreheads to remind us of the price that Jesus paid. And it's a whole season that we can take advantage of to remember what Jesus has done for us. Some people give up something or fast. Some people change something of their daily routine. But it's another opportunity and reminder so that we don't miss these things. Because I'll be honest, I've had Christmases where I get to Christmas and I'm like, oh man, I haven't thought about Christmas, like Jesus Christmas, this whole month. I've been so busy getting ready for the Christmas service and for visiting family and doing these other things. We need constant reminders. And yet we need reminders in the everyday too. We can't always be in Christmas or in Lent. We need reminders in the rest of ordinary time. And for, uh, for Deuteronomy, that's chapter 6, verse 8. It says, you will bind them as a sign on your hand, and they will be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We need reminders for ordinary time. Before I explain this verse, if you're looking for more reminders, we've been talking about this book uh, quite a bit during this series, but uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary talks about how we can incorporate reminders of who God is and what he's done into our daily life. My favorite part in here is where she talks about brushing her teeth. And she says, when I brush my teeth, I'm reminded that as I clean away the plaque, I'm fighting against a little bit of decay in my life. I'm fighting against the presence of sin coming in my life. And I'll never get it all the way, right? I'll never fight it back. Eventually, my teeth will decay. But one day, I have a promise that I'll have teeth that'll never decay. And for her, even brushing her teeth, even waking up in the morning, can be elements of your routine that remind you of who God is and what he's done. And so if you want more examples of that, I encourage you to check out this book. But in Deuteronomy, the examples of the ordinary 
are these things called muzaza and tefillin. And these are the things that are hung above the doorways on the gates. And these are the things that are bound on their hands. The nation of Israel took these things really literally. I think I have a couple pictures up here of these things. So that is the tefillin. They would actually bind these things to their hands and wrap the leather around themselves. So they were doing exactly what these verses say physically and tangibly. They were literal ways that the Jewish people tried to enact these verses. They were the liturgy of the everyday. They were trying to incorporate into the ordinary these reminders. This is a, uh, against the doorway of a house. And inside that, uh, there would be scrolls of parts of Deuteronomy and Exodus and Leviticus. So that when they would look at those or when their children would say, Dad, what is that? They could say, that, those are the commands of the Lord. And I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you about it. They were to serve as everyday reminders. I had the opportunity to spend a semester in Israel while I was in college. And I got to see some of these things uh, up close and personal. And they don't, you know, wear Teflon every day. And uh, there isn't, uh, you know, a muzaza over every door. Like, it's not confounding you. But there are so many examples. You are surrounded with reminders. For example, every Saturday night, excuse me, every Friday night, we would celebrate the beginning of the Sabbath. And we would sit around the table and we would sing these prayers. For any of you who have been able to go to a Seder dinner, you know what this is like. There is a liturgy to how you do every part of it. You light the candles, you pray the prayers. And it's been almost 10 years since my time in Israel, but I still remember these prayers. They've stuck with me. And so forgive me, but I'm going to sing at you very briefly because they sing the prayers. (laughs) And it goes... And that means, blessed be Lord our God, King of the universe. And that's how they began all of these prayers. And those prayers go on to say, blessed are you, Lord our God, King or sovereign of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and told us to light the candles on the Sabbath. Or blessed be Lord our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Or blessed be Lord our God, king of the universe, who provides the fruit of the vine. And they would walk through these liturgies every Friday night to remind themselves that the commands of God are good and worth remembering. That even the food we eat has been grown up by God for us. And so when we gathered together and sang these prayers, we celebrated these reminders. And while any liturgy or tradition can become robotic and can lose its force, they are all opportunities for us to invite God into our routine and to say, God, I remember that this is about you. I remember what you have taught us. They are opportunities for us to recenter ourselves on faith and have conversations about Jesus. And to be honest, I've always thought that reminders like this are super important. And I've always been really bad at it. It is hard to remember to do these things. It's hard for us to redeem our routine, right? There's a reason that we fall back into what's easy. And yet there's been times in my life, there's been seasons where I've had help, where I've done this better than others. While I was in Israel, I bumped into a, um, a trader in, in the market who sold me a ring. And on this ring, I think I have a picture of it up here. On this ring was actually written the Shema. And this guy told me it was great because it, like, it spun. And so it was a great fidget device for me because I'm kind of ADD. Um, but more than that, he told me this is, this is the most important verse 
for the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And I was like, whoa, I want to like, have that on me at all times. And so I brought it home, and I was like, I'm going to Google, Google the, the translation and make sure I can say it in Hebrew because I want to be cool. And I, I pulled up the translation in my favorite interlinear online, right? And I read it, and I said, uh, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And later, I looked at that again, and I was like, wait a minute. This doesn't look like Adonai. That's a yod at the beginning. And I was starting to learn Hebrew, and I was like, Adonai starts with an ah sound, not a ya sound. And I realized that what is up there is the name of God. It's Yahweh. And the people who wrote this interlinear held the name of God in such high esteem that they wouldn't even write it in the translation. And I remembered that the guy who sold me this ring said, most Jewish people probably wouldn't buy this ring because they would never have that name of God on their hand as they go about normal everyday activities. It is too holy. They would never wear a ring that they wear into the bathroom or making food with the name of God on it because they wanted to keep it holy and separate. They wanted to remember how holy their God was. And that struck me. And I I realized that what I had on my hand was important. And I found myself that as I went and did my daily activities, as I reached out to do things, I would see the ring or I would spin it and I would be like, can I do what I'm doing with Yahweh on my hand? Is what I'm doing pointing me more towards God or is it something that I should never do in the name of Jesus? It became an intentional reminder of the God that I serve. And so I actually don't have this ring anymore. I gave it to a former student of mine in hopes that it would do for them what it had done for me, that as they went to college, it would serve as a reminder that they are loved by God, that he has commands for them, and that he has a plan for their life. But for a long time, that was my intentional reminder to invite God into every moment. And so I had to ask myself the same question that I'm now going to ask you. What are my reminders now? How do I continue to do that without a ring with the Shema on it? What am I doing to remember that every moment, whether I'm in church listening to a sermon or eating lunch or driving in traffic, is a moment where I can collide with my faith in God, where the two can come together, where I need to remember what he has done and who he is. Again, if you're a note taker, I invite you to write this down. It is easy to invite God into the ordinary. It's even easier to do nothing at all. And isn't that true? It's so easy to continue through our routines. It doesn't take a lot for us to change just a little bit and remember who God is and what he's done. It doesn't take a lot for us to pray a prayer before we eat. It doesn't take a lot for us to think in the morning as we brush our teeth about the gifts God has given us. But it's even easier not to do anything. And so do we want the easy thing or the best thing? And so as I've tried to to figure out what this looks like in my life, uh, as I'm writing this sermon, I was thinking, what are things that I've done in the past? What are things that I do now to remind myself of the God that I serve? And in the past, I I read this book called Soul Revolution. That's another one. Uh, If you're interested in this, I'd invite you to check out. It was about a youth pastor who uh, tried to take this seriously 
and he decided to set an alarm on his watch for every 30 minutes. And every 30 minutes, this alarm would beep, and he would just pray in that moment, not a long prayer, not like he wouldn't get down on his knees, but he would just take that moment and pray for whatever was going around him. If he's walking outside, he would thank God for the beautiful weather. If he was talking with a friend, he would say, God, I pray for Jeremy, that he would be great. He would just take that moment to recenter himself and be reminded, I need to be in prayer constantly. I need to be uh, cognizant of who my God is and what he's done. And I did this for a time, and it was awesome. And like most of my routines, it began to fade away after a time. And so I had to find something else. For you high school students, this is why we do grind during the year, where we meet after church for an hour and a half, and we do spiritual disciplines to recenter ourselves and remind ourselves who God is and what he's done. Good reminders change us immensely. And if we went on to verses 10 and following, as Chris did at the beginning of this series, we'd see why we need these reminders. Because he, the, Moses goes on and talking to the people, saying, hey, when you get in here, this is why this is so important. Because you're going to be in cities you didn't build. You're going to be drinking out of wells you didn't dig and harvesting vineyards you didn't plant. And you're going to have children who don't remember the 40 years in the wilderness. And you're going to forget what your God has saved you from, about who he is and what he's done. If you don't teach them diligently, if you don't remind them constantly, if you don't have reminders around you, and if you don't talk about this, you will forget. Because we need reminders. We live in a prosperous nation. We have uh, awesome worship equipment and a donut line and coffee. And we are prone to forget God amidst his blessings. We need to remember so again, I ask, what does this look like for you? I'm not telling you to go out and buy a Shema ring. I'm not telling you to literally tie boxes to your head with Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Exodus in them. But I'm asking, do you have any practices that you intentionally include in your day to remind yourself who God is and what he's done? Are there things that you teach people around you by doing in your day? And before you get overwhelmed by this, let me share my own feeling of being overwhelmed. Because as I thought about this, I thought about my daughter, who's four weeks old, and I thought, like, am I doing this enough? Am I doing this well? Because I'm pretty sure she could grow up in the house a lot like Jason described last week, where there's more arguing and stress than there is talking about Jesus in prayer. And I'm pretty sure that it'd be easy for her to miss the point in my house. And I began to to think like, what things do I have to add? How, like, do we have to do devotions around the table every night? And do we have to like pray before we go to bed and every morning? And do we have to, do we have to, do we have to, you know, it feels overwhelming. But I realized that this is an invitation to invite God in. It is not a burden because you know who is good at burdens and following the letter of the law was the Pharisees. They were better at following this verse by the letter than anyone else. They were the ones who would wear the Teflon and pray in the streets. And, he, and they were the ones who would make even more rules to surround the rest of these rules. And they were the ones that Jesus said missed the point entirely. We can add all the liturgy to our day that we want. But if we're not engaging in our faith in an authentic way, we won't get any further than they did. 
And so what is your routine redemption plan? Uh, in preparing for this, I read, uh, reread sections from the book Traveling Mercies by Anne Lamott. Uh, and in here, the, her style is just for her to be real and raw and talk about what's going on in her life and, and who she is. And in this book, there's a section where she talks about uh, the doctor finding a mole on her. And her dad died from a melanoma, and so this was a big deal for her. And he said, you know, it's probably fine, but let's take it off and let's biopsy it. And so come back in next week, and, and we'll take a look. And she's like, but, but I'm leaving the country for six weeks next week, and, like, I won't be able to do it. Now I'm going to stress about this the whole time. And he's like, no, 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 like, it'll be fine. Like, just come back in when you're done. And so she goes home, and like any of us who stress over things like that, she freaks out. She's just feeling all this pressure and this burden, and she ends up writing on a piece of paper, like, God, I am so anxious, but I give this to you, and shoved it in her desk. She's like, it wasn't magic, it didn't do much, but it helped me to center just a little bit on God. And a few days later, when she went to church, this was what was on her mind. And when uh, an older woman asked her, hey, how you doing? She started to share, I'm really stressed about this melanoma, even though I know that your daughter or your granddaughter has a tumor on her heart and is in way worse in shape than I am, but like, I'm really stressed about this. And the woman looked at her and said, oh, honey, you just got to give it to Jesus. She said, you can worry and keep it from Jesus, or you can give it to Jesus and stop worrying. And, you know, that in and of itself probably wouldn't help anyone, right? That phrase. But then she said, let me pray for you. And she prayed for her. And Anne writes that that moment helped alleviate some of her anxiety. Because that's what it looks like when we invite God into our routine. It's very routine for that woman to say, hey, how you doing, honey? It's not routine for us to take that second and pray for the person next to us. That is an opportunity for us to redeem what we're already doing. How often does someone say, oh, I'm doing okay. And you say, let's pray about okay. We are surrounded by opportunities if we take them. So what is your routine redemption plan? I have, um, I've provided space on your notes for you to write something down. It doesn't have to be now. Maybe it's after church around the lunch table. But what is something that you can redeem or that you can add in your life? I want to close um, with a story that's happened and that it's happening. Uh, I have a four-week-old four daughter named Charlie. Uh, she's a girl. And Charlie, you know, you knew I wouldn't make it through this morning without talking about her, right? Um, we called her Charlie because it's a family name. My, my grandfather's middle name is Charles. His dad was Charles, and his sister was Charlotte. Uh, but we, we loved the name Charlie because of what it means. Charlie means a free man. And we want Charlotte. We want our daughter to grow up knowing that she is free to pursue her dreams, that he, she is free to live up to what God has created her to do. But even more so, we want her to know freedom in Jesus. And so, in her room, uh, from where she can see it from her crib and read it, because she's very advanced, um, <laughs> is this piece of wood with John 8.36 written on it. And John 8.36 reads, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And we want this to become her life verse. We want this to be what she embodies as she goes throughout her day. And this is great, right? This is a super cute little reminder that we can hang on her wall. But if this sits on her wall, we never talk about it. 
It becomes decoration and empty liturgy. She needs this intentional reminder to be married with redemptive moments in her life. She needs her dad to take her aside and say, Charlie, you know that verse that's hanging on your wall that says if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. That means you can have freedom through Jesus. And then she needs me to tie that into her washing the dishes. She needs me to explain to her that this is something that she can embody all the time. That's not just something that hangs on her wall. I want Charlie to hear that she is set free indeed and to feel those redemptive opportunities, whether it's tossing a softball in the yard or praying as she goes to bed. We all need reminders of what Christ has done for us. We need to be reminded of who he is and what he's done. We need to teach these patterns to our children and practice them with one another. We're going to close our time today by singing a song. A song that talks about us as the sons and daughters of God. Because that is what is available to us, and that is what we are so prone to forget, who we are as the sons and daughters of God. We need intentional reminders and redemptive opportunities to be reminded of that and to put it into practice. And so we're going to sing this song, and then we're going to close with the bridge of Man of Sorrows, which ends with, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so my prayer for you is that this would be a reminder of what is available to us in Jesus and a little push for you to redeem your routine when you leave. So let me pray. God, may you speak through these words. May you show us what it means for us to redeem the routines that we have and to invite you in so that we and our children and our friends and our family may never forget who you are and what you have done. Amen.